and I think it's maintained its following because it played such an important role in you know making people who maybe felt different at the time feel more comfortable with who they are and more proud of who they are and um, I think it's an amazing film in many ways but specifically in in that way I think it's really powerful and in this episode I'm talking to Ryan Kuzinski who plays the role of Rocky in the Rocky Horror Show you're you say you're at theater now yeah I'm in one of the dressing rooms oh, I see and which theater is that we are at I should really know this we are at um the one in the museum's quarter here in, uh, in, let me you're in Vienna we're in Vienna yeah really oh that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. we're in Vienna this week and next week fantastic Oh, wow. Oh, this is amazing. So you're touring around uh, Europe with the Rocky yeah. RS show. At the moment, yeah. And you play the role of Rocky. I do, yeah. 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 So tell me so about it's, it's, this it's production. Fun, yeah, so I've done this production before. I did it in 2017 slash 18, again in the role of Rocky. The European tour is based predominantly in Germany. And it's a lot more um, gritty and darker than the UK version, which is more tongue-in-cheek and innuendo. Okay. So I, I prefer this version. I think it's I think it's more interesting. Oh, really? And and okay, so yeah. darker in what sense? Um, it's more sexual, sexualized rather than sexual. Okay. Um, mm. Interestingly. Uh, this time, this time around, um, it's been the process of learning it, the uh, the rehearsal process has been really interesting because um, we've had a lot of input into how things are portrayed and, um, it, you know, it's 2022 and everybody wants to send the right messages um, in a show that's heaped in sexuality. And it, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a very funny, interesting show and they're the main messages that that we want to get out to the audience rather than cheap jokes at the expense of over-sexualizing people. Or, mm. you know. so, you, so you think this is, um, is, is this the reason why you think the darker one is more uh, almost speaking to people? I think so, yeah, because mm. the whole reason that the film has such a following is, well, I think anyway, is because it was released at a time when if people... Uh, were maybe in the LGBTQ plus, um, and if they fell somewhere under in that within that umbrella, they felt like this film really spoke to them, and it was the first time maybe they saw a lead character not be a alpha male hyper masculine um, character that maybe didn't speak to who they are as as people, and I think it's maintained its following because it played such an important role in you know, making people who maybe felt different at the time feel more comfortable with who they are and more proud of who they are. And, um, I think it's an amazing film in many ways, but specifically in, in that way, I think it's really powerful and it stood the test of time, I think, because a lot of people look back to that as a turning point in in their lives. And, and it's interesting that musicals have this... Um, quality that they that they are very much 
a really attaching the emotion of people because of the music and the singing and, and, and all of that, but that there's always in every musical sort of, even if it's the most wonderful one, there's always like this little message, you know, and, and the little, um, uh, the, the story has a little message. And, um, and I find it very interesting that this topic is also something that you now say that uh, you can bring the message across yeah, I think so. And just to touch on what you said about the music, um, this version as well, in the way that it differs, is it's more like a rock concert. The band is very loud and we play in arenas sometimes and it's like a, a fusion between a rock concert and a musical. And I think that works really well with the music that's written. Mm -hmm. And like you said, for some people with art, but for myself with music, music resonates with you in a way that nothing else really can I mean you can hear a piece of music um, and it can take you back to when you were seven years old and you know exactly what happened in your life when you first heard that piece of music or so when you're trying to send a message within the text and then it's accompanied by music and visuals and I think that's the joy of musicals mm. compared to straight theatre which I love personally I love watching plays but Musicals has that additional component that can really send a message, I think. Yeah, and I think also it's that um, the fact that you watch a musical many times, you know, that it's that repetition and the, the words of the, of the songs that you sing along. So it is those messages that you sort of take with you and, uh, and always have with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, if you want to come see it in Vienna, I can try and get you a ticket. Oh, that would be great. I would love to. I've yeah. never seen it. I, I mean, I, I used to have the record, the Alpine, sure. uh, when I was sure. younger, but uh, I've never seen the performance. But now you, yeah. artists who do the musical theatre, you have to do everything. You have to be able to act. You have to be able to sing and dance and um in your training, is this something that, uh, is, is this what you enjoy? You know, there's all these different facets of, of being an artist. Yeah, I think that being a musical theatre performer is sort of underrated in how able these people are because, you know, even, even if you are, somebody who is never going to be in cats and be someone who's never going to dance a lot unless you graduate from training and go straight to playing lead roles you're going to have to cover those roles at some point which means you'll be in the ensemble so you have to be able to dance to a certain ability otherwise you're never going to even get into the industry regardless of you might have the best singing voice on the planet but if you haven't got the fundamentals of dance unless you go straight into playing the role you, you don't really stand a chance because casting musicals is very much like a jigsaw piece because especially nowadays with the pandemic, if people have to call in sick or, or they're not feeling well or they think that they've got cold symptoms and it's safer for them to stay away, you have to still be able to make the show work. So the more malleable you are as an artist, then you're kind of making the decision for them on whether they hire you or not because if you can sing, dance and act, and you're a team player, as it were, then essentially you're able to play most roles that are in the show. Mm. So I think that 
moving forward, I think there'll be a lot more emphasis within training on making sure that the people who are amazing at singing don't just sing every day and the people that are amazing at dancing don't just do all of the dance classes. Uh, myself, I think my strongest thing is uh, acting. But with my training, I had so much dance experience that I had to use my transferable skills in order to even stand a chance of getting into this industry because I hadn't trained in it. And singing-wise, um, I can sing relatively in tune, but I'm never going to be the lead in sort of an old-fashioned musical. I don't have that um, technique, that singing technique, that you would need to be Jean Valjean in Les Mis or the Phantom in The Phantom of the Opera. So I had to decide that if I wanted to go into acting and do more things that included speech, I had to sort of navigate a path whereby... I could stay employed, but travel towards the things that I would okay. prefer to do, because um, so, it's a very it's a very difficult industry. There are there are sort of, uh, you know, for every part that is given, you would think maybe sixty people auditioned for the part, and then maybe ten times that amount applied to audition for the part and were unsuccessful in being given an audition. So it's there are certainly more performers than jobs. Yeah, I, I spoke to an artistic director yesterday and he said the same thing that, you know, so many have to audition and this. It's not, it's not that you audition and you're not good enough. Sometimes you are good enough, but it's just the look or it's just the height or it's, you know, there's so yeah. many other factors. And uh, uh, so I, I can totally understand what you're saying, that it's... Uh, but it is a difficult industry. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it is rewarding once you achieve mm -hmm. something that you've set out to achieve. And just touching on what you said about um, the person you spoke to yesterday, somebody could be really good for the role and, and even especially in the current climate when the people that produce these shows are under huge financial strain in case they get hit with COVID and have to postpone shows or give people money back. Some of these costumes may have cost five or 6,000 euros to make. So if it comes to the last two people and they're both perfect, if one of them fits in the old costume and one doesn't, it's probably going to go to the person that fits in the mm. old costume. Mm. So it is, you get, yeah. you get desensitized to rejection because mm. they say that even if you're a successful actor, if you hit, if you manage to get one percent of the jobs you audition for, then you're doing really, really well. So you get used to being told no. You just have to understand from a business perspective that it might be to do with hair color, it might be to do with height, could be something that's out of your control. So, what I try to do when I audition is, if I have an audition in the centre of London, I'll do the audition and then arrange to meet a friend for lunch or something so that it's just part of my day rather than oh, yeah. tailoring my whole day around the audition because then you're um then you then you might get your hopes up before you've even began because you've dedicated a whole day to mm. a one-hour audition and your focus is then different i think but i actually yeah. spoke to a young opera singer and she said that she takes auditions as just an experience you know like just to um, to have this uh, role to try and to try out basically. So she has that yeah. 
uh, that idea they you know that that she looks at auditions that way but now uh, tell yeah. me about your training what how did you train and where did you train so i trained at the royal ballet school in richmond oh. park so i moved away from home when i was 11 years old mm-hmm. and i lived uh, in richmond park in Lon- in london well sorry and for five years we would do sort of 12 hour days six days a week uh, and that was all I knew for five, for five years. On a Sunday, we would be allowed to go to the local village to, you know, have a look around and buy sweets and things. Sheen. And then we would, yeah, Sheen, yeah, Sheen, we'd go yeah. to Sheen, yeah. <laughs> and then in the final year, you were allowed to go to Richmond for a yeah. few hours. Um, and that was kind of everything I knew. And to be honest, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I loved having people around me all of the time. Um, not just people that had the same goals and objectives as me, but just young people. I don't know. I think it's really set me up for the rest of my life, you know, career aside. It's, it, you learn very quickly when there are only 12 people in your year group, what is socially acceptable and what is socially unacceptable yeah. because you need these, you need to get on with these people. Otherwise, you know, nobody wants to be lonely at 11 or 12 years old. So you fast track social norms and social etiquettes because these people are all you've got because you're in the middle of a park. Mm-hmm. And although there are you know negative connotations to that because you have the 11 people that you're uh, housing with, you have no say in who they are. They, you know, they might not be great people. They might influence you in a negative way. They might influence you in a positive way. But for me, some of them I haven't spoken to for 10 years, but I think of them as family. It's really strange. Um, And again, being male, it's highly competitive, but it's not even remotely close to how competitive it was for the females in terms of how many girls audition and how many are accepted. There are the same amount of boys and girls in the school, but there are considerably less applicants who are male. So you're with all, all these girls who are so incredibly driven that you know I didn't really have a girlfriend throughout secondary school period because they simply couldn't facilitate any time to relationships and growing uh, interested in boys because it's so demanding and competitive yeah and it was really interesting it was really interesting and I loved it Mm -hmm. and I love all the all the people that my house parents that were there my teachers I had an English teacher who I think still works there who would lend me books that weren't in the library because she realized early on that I really liked things like Charles Dickens. And, and so she sent me, a, she's who? called, uh, she, she was called Miss Phoenix. And I don't oh, yeah, know her yeah. first name. <laughs> she's called Miss Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, she was, she was the first person to ever tell me that I can be a bit moody but she said it was a good thing. She mm. said, you're, you're, artist, you're artistic and you're allowed to have, you know, mood swings, as it mm. were. You're young and you're going through adolescence and you are moody, but you might end up being great in some way. I don't know. She, mm. re- she really left a mark really? with me. Yeah. I think of her often. Yeah. That's how interesting. I, I, I love when artists knew a, a name. I mean, she was not a ballet teacher, but even though she was your English teacher, she made an impact on you. And I think 
it's very important to, to name teachers like that because they, uh, of course, like you say, you always remember and you, there's things that she said that stick with you and uh, that's amazing, yeah. Yeah, and she really loved her job. She was really good at her job, as yeah. lots of people are, especially people yeah. that work in an establishment like the Royal Ballet School. Mm. That their selection process is very thorough, but she, she just wanted to share her love of literature with young people. She was really great. She was really great, yeah. But now, Ryan, um, you trained now. You had this uh, very um, strong classical training. Uh, was this a choice for you to, uh, I mean, did you, did you feel that you wanted to go into musical theatre or um, was ballet sort of um, more your thing? Yeah, I was, I was very tunnel visioned at um, school and, and college in that I didn't go to jazz classes and things like that. I just did all the ballet. It's kind of what I spoke about early, my, the example of not just doing the things you're good at. I'm kind of the, the, the example of why you don't know what's going to happen later in life. So I would have really benefited from taking the, the other subjects more seriously, as it were. Um, but my uncle and auntie were professional ballet dancers with the Royal Ballet Company. So I, from a very young age, I kind of just wanted to be like them. So I was always going to do ballet. And then I did it professionally for a few years. And I woke up one morning and I thought, there's got to be more to life than this. Really? Um, mm. I think I had realised at the time without knowing that I wasn't going to achieve much more as a ballet dancer and certainly I wasn't going to get to the level where I would be happy with the company I was in, the ballet company I was in, and be able to live in a city of my choosing. I kind of had realised that the career would dictate the other important things in my life, like environment and relationships and things like that. And I already felt like I'd overachieved at such a young age, at like 21, I'd felt like I'd already played really good roles and I'd done much more than I thought I would. And to be honest, the reason why I play a role like Rocky now is ballet class is very much like going to the gym and I loved ballet class, but performing ballet, I love the applause and I love the, the feeling of being on stage, but it wasn't necessarily the feeling of doing ballet on stage that I enjoyed. It was just being on stage. So I didn't need it. It wouldn't, it definitely wouldn't have fulfilled me in the way that living in, I lived in Estonia for a year, for example, when I was, I joined the Estonian National Ballet Company straight from school. And I loved it there. The job was amazing. The people that worked there were fantastic. But I didn't really want to live in Tallinn at a young age on my own and it'd be incredibly dark most of the year. It'd be incredibly cold most of the year. Um, and also it was somewhere that uh, wasn't particularly progressive as a society. So um, I had friends that wanted to audition that wouldn't audition because of maybe their heritage. Um, a lot of the people in the ballet company were wonderful people and um, probably in their LGBTQ plus um, uh, category, but were living as straight people because they felt like they wouldn't be safe if they were who they really were. Mm. 
And I felt like even at that age, I felt like by living there, I would then be endorsing that environment. And it just wasn't worth it for me. I, I consider myself to be, uh, you know, to have quite good morals. And I didn't want to live somewhere that didn't let people be who they want to be. And for people in a ballet company to feel like they couldn't be who they were, imagine who, you know, yeah. people that worked in sort of normal jobs would feel. Um, it just wasn't for me, I think. Mm. So but then now, I made a decision. Yeah. But now change. that you're playing this role and and you you so involved in it, does does it um, does it change also the way you felt? I mean, do you really understand now what by playing a role or by playing in a in a uh, a musical like this is do you understand that more the struggle of of people that's a really good question i think as much i think i do as much as i can given that i am a straight white male you know um i certainly everything that happened throughout the pandemic has taught me that it's you know it's not really my turn to give opinions on things it's my turn to listen um and you know the reason why for example the black lives matter movement was so powerful was because there were very few people who were like me you know straight white men who will have seen the movement of black lives matter and thought well yeah you all need to do exactly what i've been doing for my whole life and you know campaign in this way the reason why we all reacted the way that we did was because it's so obvious that we lived in a society that was tailored for people like myself. Um, and then it made sense that I wouldn't really be aware of it because it was suiting me and, you know, it's, it's systemic and, you know, whilst I, you know, I don't have any racist bones in my body or anything like that, but it was so powerful because it was so true that, that marginalized groups are being underrepresented in all areas of life. And from that moment on, really, I just thought maybe I should shut up about my opinions on politics and my opinions on misrepresentation and stuff, because it's not really about me. In fact, it's definitely not about people like me. Um, and so I think I understand more, yes, but uh, I think I'd leave the explaining of how it makes people feel to somebody more equipped. And myself. Who are, yeah. But yeah. now, um, in, in uh, this is also very demanding on you physically. I mean, you talked about yeah. ballet company and being in a ballet company. And of course, you, the training is also very hard and physical. But now, um, with musical theater, you perform every night, except for, I think, one night a week. Yeah, eight shows yeah. a week. Yeah. So there's, uh, in this schedule, there's usually two shows on a Saturday, two shows on a Sunday. So that's four shows within two days. Wow. And it's very demanding. Um, but you have to get your body used to it. Um, and that's what the rehearsal process is for. Um, coming into playing this role again, we'd obviously had two years of the pandemic, two years in which I had I'd done minimal exercise. Um, I'd gained weight as most people did there are more important things going on and so I had to kind of spend four or five months preparing for this role physically to then come in and 
truth be told, I probably won't be in the perfect condition, in my opinion, to play this role until towards the end of the tour. Because I'm still going to the gym every day. And he's supposed to be the perfect man physically. Uh, And I don't know if it's, um, you know, modesty or um, what is it called? Uh, Or a little bit of body dysmorphia or or whatever. But I, I certainly don't don't feel like that now. Although, like I've just come from the gym now, and I have mm-hmm. my protein shake ready to go. Oh, okay. so, um, but I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. All of that, I love it. Um, yeah. To be able to play a role where you get to improve your physical condition, mm-hmm. like when I finish this job, I'll I'll be in probably the best shape of my life, having been in the worst shape of my life before I got the job offer. So I'm quite grateful for that, to be honest. Yeah. And now the touring, is that demanding for you as well? How long do you stay it's in dem- each It's city? demanding. So usually a week or so, but in the, in the bigger venues, like we're in Munich for three weeks, Berlin for two weeks, Vienna for two weeks. We do stay at Cologne for three weeks. We do, um, we do have extended stays, but it's usually a week at each venue. It's difficult. It's difficult with COVID because we're testing every day, lateral flow, and then we're having a PCR test once or twice a week. Um, so we're being very thorough and responsible. Um, and there are a lot of people that go into making a show like this. So it's not like it's just the cast that have to test. All of the crew have to, the lighting team have to, the sound team, the backstage uh, people, the stage management. Um, it's a big group of people. And in order to keep our jobs, we have to be that thorough because if you get one COVID case and you're not testing regularly, you'll soon have multiple cases and, and then yeah. you're in real danger. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is uh, understandable. And I think um, I think you as artists are probably also thinking that way, you know, that you don't think um, that it's a nuisance, but that it's really to your benefit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Ryan, what would your advice be now for a young um, dancer or performer who would love to do a career in musical theatre? My advice would be, um, while you're while you're young and your body doesn't ache when you wake up in the morning and things like that, do as much dancing as you can and as much singing as you can, because I think that when it comes to acting, particularly in musicals, the more general intelligence you have, the more experiences you have to draw from, the more truth that you can search for, I think that comes with age and experience. Um, I think you can improve as an actor whilst not moving. Like you don't have to be young and physically exerting yourself. You can do that by reading and learning and watching and all of those things. But dancing and singing, they're muscles and you have to train them and you have to um, prepare them. My advice would be don't do, don't practice what you're good at too much. Practice the things you are not good at. Uh And you're doing this because you love it. So try to create a mental environment for yourself whereby 
you aren't constantly criticizing yourself and bringing yourself down because we're supposed to be doing this because we love it. So try to enjoy everything you can because you'll never be on your deathbed wishing that you had been more critical of yourself. That's um, true. But you might be on your deathbed wishing that you'd enjoyed more things in life. Mm. So that would be my advice. Yeah, that, and that is so true because I think also with, with ballet training, you are uh, so focused on everything being perfect that, um, that you are very self-critical. And now it's very true what you're saying, you know, that, that there are also uh, this part of the artist that, that you have to give and that you have to uh, be true to the art, you know, and not just... Yeah. Um, mm. But now, um, what is your wish for the future? It's a good question. Um, I... I don't really I don't really know I, all I know is that when I get an audition through if I can envisage being happy whilst doing the job I don't really mind what the nature of the job is so I have a real passion for acting and I would love to do plays and television and more film and things like that however if something comes through and it's another musical or it's something that might even be heavy dance wise if I can imagine myself enjoying the experience, I think that the pandemic has sort of tilted my attitude um, in that I would rather be working than not working. And although you need to be available to get your dream jobs, you need to be available to take them. I think that it could be taken, it's been taken away from me, us, everyone for two years. And I think if I can, if I'm going to be happy doing it, then why wouldn't I do it really? Yeah. So I'm quite open to whatever I do um, next, I think. Yeah. But that's wonderful yeah. because then um, a lot of adventure waits for you. I hope so. That'd be really great. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It'd be really great. great. But you've, you've I'm certainly already... enjoying traveling more. You know, this time around, we're going to the same venues, but. And making more effort with going to see the lovely buildings and and if there are any events on whilst we're in that location to try and go to them because last time I kind of went to the gym, did the show, went home, watched Netflix, repeat. So I could have really been anywhere in the world oh, and yeah. it wouldn't have, have mattered. Whereas this time round, like on Monday, we're going to drive into the mountains and go on a hike and things like that um so i'm i'm trying to actually enjoy the experience of this tour more so than last time last time it was more about the job and the work and my physical condition and this time i'm about enjoying it because i know i know how to do this role now but this is and and vienna is such a beautiful city i know so that i need sure. to Sorry, I you broke oh, up. Sorry, we broke up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Vienna is such a beautiful city, so uh, there's a lot that you can experience here, and I'm sure overall in in Europe as well. Where where do you call home? Where are you from in England? Um, so I my family are all in York in the northeast of England, yeah. um, but I live in in Highbury and Islington in London. 
But I just want to ask one more question. Um, I'm doing sure. uh, having people do shout outs for their favorite restaurants or coffee shops or uh, do you have a do you have a place that you want to do a shout out? I do, I do. Yeah. It's here in Vienna. Yeah. Okay. And it's called Cafe Mit. Yeah. K A F F E M I T, and okay. it is the nicest coffee I've ever had. I go there every day. Really? Yeah. But okay, now so I will I will definitely put this on and and I'll put their link on in the description as well. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing, yeah. yeah, Cafe Mitt. And then um, also in London, there is a place called The Blues Kitchen. Mm -hmm. And The Blues Kitchen is so successful that it's turned into a franchise now within the mm -hmm. UK. But it was just one original venue. And every night they play live music. They have live bands, live jazz musicians. And the food is all from the deep south of America, like gumbo and... and um, slow cooked meats smoked meats and things and it's amazing absolutely amazing yeah where where are they exactly so there's one in shoreditch there's one in camden and there's one in brixton and then now they've got one in manchester as well amazing yeah now i've never heard yeah. of them oh the but food yeah. is i mean i'm i'm a meat eater but the buffalo cauliflower is so mm. addictive i get it every time i couldn't ever not get it really yeah yeah it's i've amazing. never had that but um i'll go and google the the, re yeah, yeah. the recipe <laughs> yeah yeah google the recipe yeah okay ryan right. well have a lovely day have a lovely performance thank you thank you all right i'll speak bye. to you soon bye, bye.